the perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson, Tom Fernelli, Danny Cannell, and Bud Elliott. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Bud Elliott. That's Tom Fernelli. I'm Chip Patterson. Uh, win totals rolling on. Hope you're doing well. And don't forget, we have already given you Pac-12 North, the Pac-12 South. Yes, we know. The championship will not be decided by divisions, but that's how we split them up. And it's also there's left their schedules intact. But now we turn our attention to the Big 12. The Big 12, we're going to hit you with two episodes, this being the first of them. Uh, in this episode, we'll get to Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Kansas, Kansas State, and Iowa State. Do not worry, Big 12 fans in the Lone Star State, because we'll get Texas, Baylor, TCU, Texas Tech, and, as Tom mentioned in our show planning, honorary Texan West Virginia uh, in Big 12 Part 2. It is the Big 12 week here on the Cover 3 podcast. Uh, so, before we dive into the conference as a whole, I'm excited that we get to talk about uh, Oklahoma because of our longstanding, loving relationship with Oklahoma fans right now that we get to deliver this to you. We'll get to Texas in the next episode, but as we look at that top tier, uh, real quickly, like Texas, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, and maybe Baylor, how would you maybe order those one through four? Not necessarily in their like conference order of finish, not necessarily in their, their schedule finish, but... Is that your top tier in this conference, or do you see there being more division between those teams at the very top? So I, I talked to Chris Hummer, who put out his Big 12 tiers article for 24-7 Sports, and I thought he did a really good job. And I, I had a question for him. I said, hey, did you consider putting a tier that is, if they play to their potential, they should win the league tier, which to me is just Oklahoma, uh, personally. And he said, no, I, I think it's, it's a little closer bunch than that, but that I don't know, maybe that kind of demonstrates where I am on this Oklahoma team. Like I think that like they to me, they have the highest ceiling, probably, and probably the highest floor, I think. Yeah. I mean, I the the Big 12 media days came out and like I was actually very surprised to see that Baylor was I mean, it was close. That's great point. Baylor was the preseason pick at Media Days, and like yeah. five teams got a first place vote. Yeah, and, and that was just that that doesn't jive with how I feel about it. I, I think Oklahoma is the best team in the Big Twelve, and I think that last year, obviously, like they had a down year. They went what ten and three. They finished like, number ten in the country. That's what I'm saying. And yeah. so I I feel like a lot of people are just like I know I've been harsh on Oklahoma. Like I I don't think Link, losing Lincoln Riley is as meaningless as Oklahoma fans wanted to treat it. And I don't think going to the SEC is going to treat them as well as they seem to think that it's going to treat them. But as far as 2022 is concerned, I still think Oklahoma is the class of the Big 12. And I think that it should probably have been picked first to win the conference. And I just I think there's way too much recency bias in, in that poll. Well, uh, on that note, we will dive into not the big picture, but the nitty gritty, the schedule, the win total at hand. But first, an introduction from the general manager of Vanderbilt football. As much as I think it's the, the under Count is a safe up. play, like I can't even. Count them up. Count them up. How many kids are going to win this fall? I can't fathom who wins. How many kids are going to win this fall? I just can't. I don't see it. It's not, it's not on there. It's, it's not, not the schedule I'm looking at. Unless there's another schedule somewhere. 
The Oklahoma Sooners have a win total of nine and a half. In the Caesar Sportsbook, you can find it with the price around minus 115 to the over, minus 115 to the under. You take a look at the non-con. Remember in the Big 12, nine conference games, round-robin conference schedule. UTEP at home, Kent State at home. Hey, Kent State, again, that's a challenging non-con for uh, – for Kent State right there. Mm-hmm. And a uh, very, very interesting game, especially after the way that last year's finished. It is the other return visit for the Oklahoma-Nebraska renewal of that old conference rivalry, that game in Lincoln. So UTEP at home, Kent State at home, at Nebraska is the non-con. You take a look at some of the home games. Baylor's going to be a home game. Bedlam against Oklahoma State is going to be a home game. Texas, of course, is going to be neutral. Kansas State is a home game. So at nine and a half, what is our read on the Oklahoma Sooners? Well, before we get into it, you mentioned it. I just want to point out what Kent State's non-conference is. Okay. <laughs> They play eight conference games, right? Uh, yeah, it is at Washington to start the week after it's at Oklahoma. Then their first home game of the season is in week three against, I believe that's the Long Island University Sharks. And then after that nice home game, they're going down south to play Georgia at Sanford Stadium. So their three big non-con games are at Washington, at Oklahoma, at Georgia. So Kent State could have an impact on your national title race in 2022. Gotta get paid. Yeah. Like if you can't stay, you're not you're not showing anything those first three games, right? Oh, you mean like schematically? Yeah, yeah. probably not going to break out a lot of trick plays there against those three schools. I I thought that that would be the approach of not that you would break out the the trick plays, but that's the approach of you know we're willing to play anybody anywhere. You're trying to instill a certain mindset. Maybe there's a recruiting angle for it as well, but that you've. I don't know. What what is the advantage of going and getting pasted of, of getting the like physical brutality that you're going to get going up against Georgia? Like I know you're you said the word paycheck, the, the, the <laughs> pasted so, paycheck. That's jeez. Well, I will say it, what you said though, like just ducking everything and then getting ready for conference schedule. That's kind of the UAB model, right? So, like uh, there, there's long been a thought in the betting community that UAB under Bill Clark just did not give a damn about the, about their like non-conference paycheck games. And then their power rating entering the season would be very depleted. Like Georgia beat them 56 to seven uh, last year. And it could have been like much, much worse if Georgia didn't pull up. Uh, and then all of a sudden, like they lost to Liberty 36, 12. And then they're like, Oh, by the way, we're actually still really good. Watch this in conference. It's, it almost seems to me like uh, hazing or de-recruitment or something. Like we're going yeah. to send you through uh, going up. We're going to send our offense that we're somewhat excited about. We're going to send you against Washington's defensive line. We're going to send you against Georgia's defensive line. And we're going to send you against Brent Venables and whatever he's got cooked up for you there. And then by the time you get to Mac, life will be cruising. Anyway, this is not the Kent State podcast. <laughs> this is about the Oklahoma Sooners. And I'm sure that those Sooners fans that love us so much uh, are, are in enjoying this this side uh, this sidetrack. So where are we at? Nine and a half. The price is split about even. You take a look at it, and from from that like power ratings perspective, there is not a, a single game where you're like, oh, wow, Oklahoma, that's going to be a, a game where they're going to find themselves as a notable underdog. You know, they are going to be favorites or close to favorites in almost every single game on the schedule. So can... So can Brent Venables convert enough of these wins to go 10 and 2, 11 and 1 or even 12 and 0? Yeah. I I am leaning over here. I'm not like super super comfortable with it, but I think that it's the more likely outcome because as you just said, Chip, I I look at this schedule and where are they dogs? Like maybe that Texas game, if Texas gets off to a really hot start, but I look at Oklahoma's schedule and I don't see like UTEP, I'm not worried about. Kent State could cause problems, but I think they're going to win that game. Nebraska is, I'm sorry, I know the game's in Lincoln, but until Nebraska actually shows me it's capable of doing anything, I'm not going to give them the benefit of the doubt. Kansas State, I think is kind of a sleeper, but... I don't think that they're really like, I think they could upset Oklahoma, but I think Oklahoma's winning that game at home far more often than not at TCU could be tricky. So I, I think Oklahoma's probably five and zero heading into that game against Texas. And I don't think Texas is as com- nearly as complete of a team as Oklahoma is. I think they'll have the offense to give the Sooners some problems, but I don't, I, I didn't see anything on that team last year to make me think they're going to stop Oklahoma at any point either. So I, 
I think this team, like even if they lose that game to Texas, I still think they're getting to 10 wins. I, I so I'm going to go under nine and a half, um, but it's not something that I'm rushing to bet, right? Like there's some of these in this, in this league, probably more in, in the next show that I feel like are, are, are solid bets. To me, Oklahoma is the best team in the Big 12. It's, I think, when they list Texas as the conference favorite, that's a little bit nuts, right? Like, that's well, some, dude, some sites have that. Yeah, no, it's season. I was looking at it uh, this morning for a thing I'm doing on year two coaches. Texas, after going five and seven last season, is the betting favorite at Caesars at plus 200. Oklahoma listed right behind them at plus 250. Insane. But okay, so I really like the hire of Jeff Levy with mm-hmm. the transfer of quarterback Dylan Gabriel. Those guys meshed very well when they were together here by me in Orlando. Like Jeff Levy's offense is almost always score points, and I think it's fair to note that uh, the Big 12 probably knows how to, how to face that, that Baylor-style attack more than, than most, but Oklahoma still has a lot of really good players on its offense. They get some key transfers in. They also got Bentavious Thompson from UCF, who, who can go a little bit. Um, I think they're probably fine at receiver, you know, like Marvin Mims doesn't suck. <laughs> no. Yeah. Uh, they, they get Bunkley Shelton to transfer in from Arizona State. Uh, offensive line's got a couple pieces to replace, but it should still be a very good offense for, for Oklahoma. I don't see a huge drop-off from what they were doing with Lincoln Riley. Um, defensively, I have a couple questions, and hopefully those questions are answered by, you know, by Brent Venables. Now, they did lose their top two guys by snap count on the defensive line in Winfrey and Thomas. But they got two really nice transfers in, in Johnson from Tulane and especially the, the Hawaii kid. Um, uh, well, anyway, the, the kid from Hawaii, transferred from Hawaii, is very good. I, I know a Pac-12 personnel guy who wanted him uh, badly, and Oklahoma won that battle. I think linebacker is potentially an issue. Benito is a, is a good player they lost. Uh, and secondary should be, I think, probably fine. My issue is that they just have too many games in which they're sort of like a very small double-digit favorite. And that's not a bad thing. It's just a hard thing for me to project over nine and a half. Like, there's a difference between being a, a like an 18-point favorite or an 11-point favorite. And I have them as like small double digits, you know, at West Virginia, at you know, Oklahoma State, at Texas Tech, at Iowa State. Like I have all four – and hosting Baylor. I have all four of those under two touchdowns. So – the expected result there isn't four and zero. Oh. It's like three and one to end the year, and then to start, I, I could easily see them losing two out of their first like six games. So, it's not something that I'm rushing to bet. I think they've done a nice job in the transfer portal. I think Venables will probably do fine there, at least until they join the SEC, and then let's let's revisit the conversation. But nine and a half is a hard number to bet over, man. Like that's a very small margin for error. I'd rather just take them to win the conference. And you've you've discussed that uh, split before uh, here on the show, I believe, in the Pac-12 as well. I, I'm going over. I I think that there is a very favorable home road split in conference play. I also think that they're going to go three and zero. And while I do believe that there's probably one of those one of those two, I think is going to be sensible. One of those two might not be sensible. Like the sensible loss that you would wrap your head around might be. Uh, you know, the neutral side against Texas, um, you know, it might be against Baylor. I do not see Oklahoma State winning two games in a row. I am sorry for not being willing to, to jump on board there, but we've, we've seen um, very, very few of those Oklahoma State wins, and even that victory required an amazing defensive stand at the very end, and we'll get to Oklahoma State specifically in just a little bit, but Caleb Williams was knocking on the door of a game-winning touchdown at the end of that game. Um, I, I don't see the Cowboys being able to do that two years in a row to the Sooners. So, like, at Texas Tech is the one that I've circled as maybe the not – like, they'll probably go to Texas Tech and they will be sizable favorites, but Texas Tech could come out and make that really, really interesting just based on what we're projecting for their own offensive ceiling. But again, like – Baylor in Norman, Oklahoma State in Norman, Kansas State in Norman. I think that home cooking is a great thing for Brent Venables um, and this team in 2022. I've got him going 10 and 2, so I, I'll go over on that one. 
I'm oh, Bud hates Oklahoma. Oklahoma. Sorry, I jumped on the <laughs> <laughs> and Bud hate and Bud hates Bud hates Oklahoma. He only thinks they're going to win the conference. He, but other than that, he thinks they suck. That's what Oklahoma fans need to take away from this. That's right. This is true. How many games are going to win this fall? On to their bedlam rivals, Oklahoma State. It's a win total of a round nine with a little bit juiced to the under, plus 110 to the over, minus 140 to the under. You take a look at the schedule. Uh, you get Central Michigan at home. You get Arizona State at home. You get Arkansas Pine Bluff at home. The home road split in conference play, Oklahoma road, Baylor road, uh, Texas is at home at TCU, at Kansas State, uh, Iowa State and West Virginia and Texas Tech all coming to Stillwater. We've discussed the loss of Jim Knowles. What we have not discussed as much is also the arrival of Derek Mason, who last time we saw him as a defensive coordinator was leading a phenomenal Stanford defense. And even some of his Vanderbilt defenses as well um, were feisty you know, as, as he was fighting a little bit of an uphill battle on the talent perspective during his time as the Commodores head coach. He uh, is going to be trying to maintain what has become a, a little bit of a new standard for Oklahoma State. But if that defense lets him down, well, here is Spencer Sanders heading into his fourth year as the starting quarterback. The upside of this is that He's got 24 wins as a starter. The downside is that he's got nine games with two or more interceptions and has double-digit interceptions pretty much every season that he's been a starter or close to it. I believe it was only eight in the COVID-shortened year. So is Spencer Sanders uh, ready to take over? He was a first-team All-Big 12 pick last year, so that's something. Um, is this defense going to be able to maintain after the loss of some key personnel and its coordinator with Derek Mason taking over? How how do you see this uh, shaken out for the Oklahoma State Cowboys who came just a stretch of a stretch away from winning the Big 12 last year and then uh, and making a New Year's Six Bowl appearance? So how, how do we see this going for Oklahoma State? I'm going under on this one as well. Uh, I, I, I think that the proper play is generally to bet these teams back to the middle in the Big 12 uh, for the most part. So... This is a bit of a high number relative to the market, too. I mean, there, there are a good number of eight and a halfs out there. So that does inform my pick. Like, I, I would not be rushing to bet under on eight and a half, but I think under nine uh, is potentially a solid wager. And I, I got a couple of reasons. Number one, I just don't trust Spencer Sanders. Like, what, what is the argument that, that the light is going to come on for Spencer Sanders now? Oh, no, the light's just, always been there. The light says throw it. Okay. <laughs> so he's Krispy Kreme. <laughs> yes. Hot, hot and ready to chuck those picks. Okay. <laughs> Um, Tom, do you guys have Krispy Kreme up north? Yes. Okay. Well, I mean, come on. I, I don't know, man. Like, you don't think right. we have something that's made with lard? And no. <laughs> we, all right, fair enough. We, we don't have in and out down here. So um, I guess no no free ad reads. Sorry. Uh, but like, I just don't trust Spencer Sanders to take care of the ball. Uh, also, like his go-to guy last year by far was Tay Martin. 119 targets. That's a major safety blanket who is is gone. I'm not saying their receiving core is poor, and they almost always have somebody at Oklahoma State going back to like Woods and Justin Blackman, and some of our listeners probably weren't even born at that point. You lose Jalen Warren as a running back who was good. Offensive line, they do lose first team uh, all Big 12 left tackle in Josh Sills. But my, my main concern here, and like I think Derek Mason is a damn good coordinator, but you're losing four out of five starters in the secondary. Mm-hmm. And you also lose three out of your top four guys at linebacker by by snap count, which really whatever one guy only played fifty snaps last year, not not a big deal. The problem is he only played fifty snaps because those two starters at linebacker never came off the field. Malcolm Rodriguez and Devin Harper played seventeen hundred snaps between the two of them. Those dudes are gone. Like that was a really fun, experienced defensive secondary and back seven that Jim Knowles, now the DC at Ohio State, plucked away for a great job he did. They were able to run a whole bunch of different coverages and disguise things and, and confuse people. And now I'm just I'm not convinced that they're going to be able to play at that level again. So for me, I think it's you know it's more like eight eight point four. I'm I'm not taking over nine here. Yeah, I'm on the under as well. I, I I think that this is kind of like what you're saying, but there's been so much focus on the Knowles part, and I know I've played a part in that too, where it kind of overlooks Derek Mason is pretty qualified himself to take over, but. Even if Derek Mason comes in and schematically everything is fine and it's a well-coached defense, they've, they're losing too much for me to be confident that they'll be able to maintain the same level of play they were at last year. And even if they drop off just slightly, 
I don't think Oklahoma State has an offense that I can trust enough to be able to make up for it. And I think that if that defense tails off a little bit and doesn't play to the level it did last year, the Cowboys are going to have a lot harder time winning games than they did last season, particularly like Jib, you know, with this turnover problems that Spencer Sanders has been prone to. And there really is, like you said, no reason to think that that is suddenly going to magically disappear in 2022. I think it'll just make it more difficult to overcome them without having the defense that they had last year. It'll put them in more bad situations, which will end up leading to more losses if you just, you know, by random luck at that point. So I think that nine is a little too a little too optimistic. I think eight and four is far more likely than nine and three. So therefore it's really hard for me to take the over nine. Without even looking at the toughest challenge at home is going to be Texas. But I mean, at Baylor, at Oklahoma, at Kansas state, like I, I could see all of those being losses and that gets you to nine and three, 10, 10 and two seems highly unlikely at this number. Um, I am also going to be taking the under here and to both um, the the credit of Oklahoma State and also I mentioned that Sp- Spencer Sanders first first team All Big Twelve, the quarterback play in the Big Twelve last year top to bottom was not elite. Mm-hmm. The, the quarterback like the advantage that Oklahoma State's defense had both with its pass rush and disguising its coverages were going up against quarterbacks that were not consistent um, and were not playing at the highest levels of college football. We think about the Big 12 wide open offenses and, you know, phenomenal quarterback play because so many great quarterbacks have come from this league. But last season in particular, uh, I do think that 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 was not necessarily the case from top to bottom. You know, like, do do I think that in the vacuum, you know, Blake Shapin could be good for Baylor this year? Yeah, yeah absolutely. I'm, I'm a little bit excited about it. We'll get into that a little bit more in part two. But I, I still think that it's funny – to look at the narrative, something we've talked about in the mailbag recently versus the reality when it comes to these big 12 offenses in that it's, it's not, not exactly the same conference that it, that it always has been. Yes. Yeah, I'm else. No, I, I, I think your point is really good about the quarterbacks. Like it was a weirdly poor QB play year. Strange. The for the last year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, we went into it like, Brock Purdy. I mean, we we had the names that we were pointing to, and you know Caleb Williams. We're talking about as a, maybe a Heisman contender, but statistically, you know, he only played but so many of the, the games in the season, and it was okay. Yeah, his highs and his lows, just top to bottom. When you just sort the entire Big Twelve by passing statistics, you're like, oh, okay, they they were all right. It will be interesting to see if that does turn around. Uh, we've already mentioned Dylan Gabriel. He could be a part of that as well. And if Spencer Sanders does prove us wrong and take a big step forward, uh, that will be something to note. Coming up on the other side, we turn our attention to Kansas State, Iowa State, and Kansas. What's in store for the 2022 season? We'll get into that and more next. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features ensure that you can take on any adventure. What kind of features? Well, how about the available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud? Or the standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together? How about available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone? We're always trying to think about those great spring and summer getaways, but with a car like the Hyundai Santa Fe, anywhere can be your next adventure. To learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe, go to HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. 
Price and coverage match limited by state law. Cover 3 fans, uh, we are uh, so happy for everything that you do for us. You have helped make us uh, one of the top podcasts in the entire college football realm, in the entire sports realm. And that's why we want you to, to, to help be the battery in our back for the People's Choice Podcast Awards. We're a nominee for the Best Sports Podcast for the People's Choice Podcast Award, and we need you to help nominate us all the way to the final round. To nominate the Cover 3 Podcast, go to podcastawards.com slash app slash sign up, toggle down to the sports category, and then nominate the Cover 3 Podcast. The whole process takes less than 60 seconds, and we've included a link at the top of the episode description as well. We turn our attention now to Kansas State. Kansas State has a win total of a round seven. And minus 130 to the over at Caesar Sportsbook, plus 110 to the under. When you take a look at this Kansas State uh, breakdown of the schedule, it's going to be one that includes South Dakota, Missouri, and Tulane as your non-conference, all of those games in the Little Apple. Then you get into the conference play. Uh, the Wildcats have to go uh, to Oklahoma. They've got to go to TCU. They've got to go to Baylor. They've got to go to Iowa State. They do get to host the likes of Oklahoma State, Texas Tech, uh, Texas, and Kansas all at home. For, so for this win total of a round seven, which, by the way, has ticked up from six and a half over the last couple of weeks, what's our play on the Wildcats? Wish it was still at six and a half. So that you could just jump up there. I mean, are you are you all in on? So we've got was it Colin Klein is our offensive coordinator, and Adrian Martinez is our new quarterback. And if you think about what Colin Klein did when he had Kansas State competing at the top of the Big Twelve, and you think about Adrian Martinez's skill set, do we have a match made in heaven right there in Manhattan? No. Okay, so we're not in. I mean, I I think that seven and five is very much the most likely outcome here. I, 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 I lean over because I think that this team is going to be too good to finish six and six. So I, I'm not, I think I, I would go over here. It's not a very confident over. I just think that, you know, like Adrian Martinez, kind of like I'm talking at the top of the show and it came to the Nebraska game against Oklahoma. I have seen way too much Adrian Martinez to convince myself he's anything other than what I have seen over the last few years. And I don't think that Colin Klein or anything is going to be able to change who Adrian Martinez is. And he's a lot like Spencer Sanders in that there's talent there and he's mobile, but he's incredibly inconsistent and he makes some mind boggling decisions at times that just make you wonder what in the world he saw. And I think that for a team like this, which is, you know, Kansas state, it's kind of what, they've been doing under climate is it's you know complimentary football for the most part don't just play tough strong football defensively don't do anything stupid on offense to put yourself in a really bad position and i think you're adding kind of a chaos factor who could end up putting them in more bad positions than they've been in in the last few seasons so i think there's i think that they're too good i think that they're better than most of the other teams in this tier of the big 12 like i said to expect them to go six and six i think the schedule is beneficial to them enough where i think they can get the seven wins and i think it's really going to come down to like that mizzou game at home the oklahoma state game at home can you win on the road at west virginia like that's probably going to be what determines if you can win one or two of those games and i'm very confident you're going over the seven total but those are still somewhat coin flips to me as is the road game to tcu so I agree with Tom fully on the whole six and a half, seven thing. This is one that I really don't want to bet because I, f- and sorry, Caesars, but I, I feel like seven and five is, uh, is by far the most likely outcome. Like it, th- there's enough push chance here that they go exactly seven and five. That makes me not want to put money down for the season on this, but I have to make a pick because it's a podcast, not a betting window. <laughs> so I'm going to, uh, uh Chip, chips rolling his eyes. He's like, pick, make a damn pick. All right. So I'm going to go, I'm, I'm going to go over. Uh, I think there is a chance that Kansas State is favored in 11 games. I don't think yeah. it's a good chance, but like you could make an argument. Now, there's also a chance they're favored in six. Right. So uh, th- there's quite a few, but there's only one game that I'm very confident that they will lose. And th- well, not very, but reasonably confident they'll lose. That's at Oklahoma. Every other game, they will either be favored or I think underdogs of less than a touchdown. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
I do think that Chris Kleiman's a very good coach. I think that maybe there's still something there for Adrian Martinez. Change of scenery might help him a little bit, and the way they run their offense, there's actually some better pieces around him here uh, than at Nebraska. Mm-hmm. I have some concerns with the offensive line. Uh, they did lose a, a lot of experienced guys there, but you know, on Go Power Cat, I feel like Tim Fitz really covers his team as well as anybody does in our 24-7 sports network, and, and he he's very high on this team. He thinks this team is better than last year's. I, I went back and listened to the summer school, like, Tim's usually pretty plugged in. I think the staff does feel good about this squad, and I, I think they'll do a nice job and, uh, and and get it this year. Eight and four, over. I'm like I I feel I might rush. I might throw this down as a lock. I think that this is uh, there was a point midway through last season where Kansas State fans were going crazy at the disappointment that they were feeling. And it just happened that all of the toughest games on Kansas State's Big 12 schedule were all at the front of their Big 12 conference schedule. And when things lightened up, the question was, were they going to be so beaten down that they weren't going to be able to get it done, or were they going to rally together and finish strong? And sure enough, they rallied together and they were able to finish strong. Deuce Vaughn had nearly 2,000 yards from scrimmage last year and 22 total touchdowns. Dude is a stud. We talk about him because he's so much fun. You know, whenever we've got a, a back of that size who's so explosive in the offense. And I think that, like you mentioned, Adrian Martinez having Deuce Vaughn in the backfield, there's a chance that Colin Klein can create some, can have some very creative uh, approaches and ways to pick you apart. I think defensively, uh, they're going to be very good in the pass rush. I think they're going to be solid. They've got a high floor. And as I look and break down the schedule, those games like the, the Oklahoma State game being at home, the Texas game being at home, that those are huge because they, they potentially could be swing games. And if they get them in, in a windy little rock fight, then I like Kansas State to be able to, to win those. So I, I've got them at eight and four. Uh, I know that it's ticked up to seven, but I definitely don't think they're going to be six and six. I'm, I'm a pretty strong over here on uh, Chris Kleiman's Wildcats. I love Deuce Fawn just as much as anybody, but it's not like Adrian Martinez didn't play for a year with Wandale Robinson, and he still ended up throwing 10 touchdowns and nine interceptions. That's fair. Oh, that is a very fair point. <laughs> Count them up! Turning our attention to Iowa State. Iowa State has a win total of six and a half, slightly juiced to the under Minus 130 with plus 100 as the price. If you want to take the over six and a half, you take a look at the schedule. You've got Southeast Missouri State, Ohio, and Iowa, of course, as your uh, non-conference. Then you get into conference play. Oklahoma's going to be at home. Baylor's going to be at home. You're going to be on the road at Texas, on the road at TCU, on the road at Oklahoma State, Kansas State, West Virginia, Texas Tech, all games at home as well. Bud has discussed many times on this show about programs when their window is, whether or not you were able to capitalize on that window. The Cyclones are absolutely in a period of transition. Uh, players like Brock Purdy, players like Mike Rose, players that have been a part of the Cyclones' success over the last couple of seasons, uh, they are going to be gone. This has really been a good sort of half-decade run for, for Iowa State. So now, as they uh, look at, to move into what I believe will be the Hunter Deckers era, um, we wonder. What, what was that name again, Chip? <laughs> I don't know. I just uh, Hunter Deckers. <laughs> it looks like it should be spelled D. Not should. That is unfair. Everybody has their own unique spelling of their own name, but Hunter Deckers spelled D E K K E R S. So like Sam Decker, but with an S. With an S. Sam Decker. Hunter Deckers. I believe Hunter Deckers will be the starting quarterback. Bud, is that what you read your senses on yeah. this one as well? Okay. Four-star prospect. He was Brock Purdy's backup. He takes over. I don't have I don't have a very high ceiling for this Iowa State offense. I don't have a very low floor, but I'm finding I'm grasping at straws here, trying to find what I can feel is certain about Iowa State heading into this season. Uh what y'all's read right now as we look at the over under six and a half. I'm going to go over on on this team um, just because I, I – well, a couple of reasons. Number one, this is when I want to bet on Matt Campbell 
Okay. Mm-hmm. I don't want to bet on Matt Campbell when it requires me to, to believe Iowa State's going to win the conference or go to the playoff or win a national title or anything, anything that involves elite recruiting. But when it comes to good coaching, uh, this is when I kind of want to get in on Matt Campbell. I also think this is a good price relative to market. And that's not the reason I'm, I'm taking this, but it doesn't hurt. Like there's some sevens out there and six and a half with a hundred, you know, flat to the over is, uh, is, is pretty advantageous. I, I don't think Brock Purdy was very good. So to me, that's not much of a loss. Uh, Brees Hall, I think is a loss. I think that was yes. a pretty damn good back. Uh, but I feel like they'll always play kind of good tricky defense, although they did get kind of torn apart a little bit with their losses. In the secondary, it's a developmental program, so you have a lot of guys who have been in the system for a while. It's not just all redshirt freshmen. they got a bunch of juniors in there. Um, to me, the schedule is interesting. So, you know, I also think this team was a little bit better than its record indicated last year, too. I, I want to point that out. Like, I had them power rated higher than what they finished. Like, they finished 7-6, and six, but I thought it was kind of a top 25-ish team. So, I think they're being undersold a little bit. There's no reason they can't beat Iowa. Right, like no. Uh, now, granted, they usually don't, but like, there's no reason they can't. Uh, Iowa's quarterback is terrible, and they're still employing Kirk Francis' son as the OC. Like that's that's prime for a win. That's 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 your blind spot, bud. You just you know you know you don't you're looking at Iowa and you're seeing all these reasons. <laughs> Iowa's got that game, and no. and look where it's at. Mm, that's I've got that as an L. I've got Hawkeyes all day. L- El Asico is a coin flip. I don't care where it's at. It's right, always a coin flip. Let's get to the other reason then. They only play four four road games in conference this year. Remember the Big 12, you got to remember who plays five, who plays four. And mm-hmm. one of them is Kansas. There are, I think, two teams that play only four road games this year, and one of those four is Kansas. That means they get a lot of guys at home. It's a lot of upset win chances. Baylor, Kansas State, Oklahoma, West Virginia, Texas Tech all come to uh, Ames, Iowa. So I like him. I, I think that seven and five is more likely than six and six here. Yeah, I, I'm on the over too. I, I just think that this is one of those things where it's like last year when the expectations were way too high for this team coming off that 2020 season, like they were ripe for the under and it proved out. Now I, I agree, but they were better than their record last year. And now this year, it's we've seen an overcorrection that's a little too far, going to six and a half based on what they've lost, based on going seven and six last season. But I kind of look at Iowa State the same way I look at a lot of Big Ten West teams, like the Iowas, like the Wisconsins, where I they lose key players every year, but what they do and just the way they run their program, I'm confident they'll be able to replace them. Because even a guy like Brees Hall, as fantastic as he was, the guy he replaced was pretty good, too, and David Montgomery. I, I think that we've reached the point where they, they're just churning these guys out in their system. They know what they're doing. They know how to develop the guys, and they bring in you know replacements, and they keep chugging on and carrying on. And I think Iowa State is that kind of program. And then I also think that you know, in a lot of these coin flip games, I think having a coaching, a good coaching staff and being well-coached and playing smart football is to your benefit. And when I watch Iowa State – it strikes me as a team that's well coached, understands what it's trying to do, and is uh, does not get it doesn't get loose in big moments. Like they might not win, they might not make the play that gets them the win, but they don't shoot themselves in the foot far more often than not. So I think that in that kind of scenario, when I look at this schedule and I look at a lot of the games they're going to be in, I think they're going to. I can count on them to come out on the right end of it more often than not. I think seven and five is very much in play. This is a team that could get to eight and four. So I'm pretty. St- Steadfastly on the over. I'm on the under. I've got Iowa. Hater. I've got Iowa as a loss. I've got at Texas as a loss. I've got at Oklahoma State as a loss. I've got at TCU as a loss. And I think that Baylor and Oklahoma are good enough to come into town and get out with a victory. I I can't argue with any of that. Like I can definitely can't argue saying that just looking at at Texas is a loss, but just based on what you've seen, which team do you think is going to be better coached that day? So there's, I was thinking about this a lot because clearly I am um, discounting. I, I may be overcorrecting specifically what Iowa State's offense can do. I think that what I think Quinn Ewers and this Texas offense will be and what I think Sonny Dykes is going to be able to do to TCU are going to create situations where if they get out in front, Iowa State will not be built to be able to make it up in a hurry 
And so I just think those are bad matchup advantages where I'm not going to think they're going to be able to go into town and get it done. That's not the same game plan for all of these losses that I've marked up. But when I had to make those decisions and you know declare them wins or losses across the conference, that was probably my ultimate decision there where I believe that that if I if you've Iowa State gets you to play their game, I'm with you. Good coaching staff, great identity. Um, they they know what they do. They've got the development there. But if they if things get out of hand, if you know, bang bang, you find yourself in a quick 14-0 hole. I think they could could get a little bit tricky uh, for a team that's built like the Cyclones. Also, just it, like the, the we kind of feel like with Iowa State last year, like they didn't have an explosive offense because overall, as far as elite programs are concerned, they they weren't explosive but if you compare them to the rest of the big 12 last year like it's not like they were by a wide margin but they were more explosive than baylor texas texas tech oklahoma state and then west virginia and kansas like this offense is we don't think of it as a big play offense but it's not just you know three yards in a cloud of dust either no no definitely not and it goes back to our earlier point too about big 12 quarterbacks and big 12 offenses in general last season not exactly living up to the narrative are we concerned at all about Matt Campbell's level of tan? Have you seen Barrett on Twitter just now? No. Okay. Uh, can we put this on the YouTube? Like, <laughs> can we import a tweet here on, on StreamYard? I'm going to drop this in the private chat. This is incredible. <laughs> right. So, so uh, whoa. Cooper, all right, hold on a second. Cooper said <laughs> he looks like Sugar Ray. <laughs> Man, where you been at, bro? <laughs> well, he is a tan. Yeah, listen, he is tan. Mm-hmm. I think it's more. I, th- you know what I think it is. I think it's the grays making it pop. Like the lighting is is showing the grays in the beard a little bit more, and it's making it is making the skin pop. Mm-hmm. Okay. So share, and let's import it. Yeah, right there. <laughs> Yeah, that's uh he's a he's a tan man and the the lighting there is certainly contributing to it. Yeah, the TV lighting is often like unless you're in a studio and there are people putting a bunch of makeup on your face, television lighting is generally not great for anybody. Confirmed. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Watch on youtube.com slash cover three if you uh if you didn't get a chance right there. Uh let's we got one more oh, before we get out. Yeah. Danny texted us is over under. We want to drop at the end of the show. Yeah, sure. stop him at the end. All right. How many games are gonna win this fall? Wrapping up Big 12 part one with the Kansas Jayhawks. Over under win total at Caesar Sportsbook of two and a half. Uh priced at minus 135 to the over. Uh, plus 105 if you want to take the under right there. As you break down the schedule, they have in the non-conference Tennessee Tech. They have Duke. They also have at Houston. Uh, you look at the the schedule in the Big 12 play. Uh, TCU is going to be a home game. Oklahoma State's going to be a home game. Texas is going to be a home game. Iowa State, they have to go on the road to Oklahoma, Baylor, West Virginia, Texas Tech, and Kansas State. What's our read on the Kansas Jayhawks who can boast a win against Texas to their name in the Lance Leipold era? <laughs> well... First of all, congratulations to Kansas for my, you know, last year when I when I locked up their under one and a half and they got the two wins and they're now at two and a half. And I want to make it clear. I think Lance Leipold is the man who's best equipped to get done what needs to be done at a program that was in very bad shape when he took it over. But I also think that it's going to take time. So. I'm still leaning under. I think they can go over, but I think two and ten is more likely than three and nine at this point because when I look at the schedule, like the more winnable games, like I think they could beat Tennessee Tech to open the season, and I think they could beat Duke in their second home game at the end of September. But like the road games to West Virginia, that's probably going to be a loss. Going to Houston, that's probably going to be a loss. And then the rest of the schedule, it's like they're winnable opponents like you look at texas tech and you think maybe that's a team kansas can beat on the road kansas state in their sunflower showdown at the end of the year 
on the road and their home games against Texas, Oklahoma State, like those are probably teams that they can't beat. I don't think they can beat Iowa State at this point. TCU, I think, still a little too far ahead of them. Just I have a hard time seeing a third win more often than not. So I'm sticking with the under. But again, I think things are definitely moving in the right direction with this program for the first time in a long time. So I have them at 2.6, which means I don't really have a whole lot of strong, but I have to pick one again. So I'm going to go under with Tom. Yeah. Uh, and I, like I, I have them significantly improving this year. Um, the issue is the can they find Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like you can be a better team with a worse record or the same record. I, I think this Kansas team actually has a shot to be a top 100 type team. And last year I had them in the bottom 10 in the country, despite mm-hmm. the fact that they did beat Texas. This is a very experienced team, man. I mean, like, who on offense they lose other than Kwame Lasseter that you're actually worried about? Whole offensive line is back pretty much. I mean, they had some injuries last year. No, they lost the guard, but they they, they got a guy from Buffalo who you got to think Lance Leipold knows can play at that level because he coached Buffalo. Defense is almost all back. The problem is you're almost assuming that they beat Duke, and I'm not sure that that is a I think that's probably a poor assumption to assume a win. I think that they should be favored over Duke since the game is at Kansas. But are you really confident Kansas is going to go beat any other FBS team, especially like yes. another Power 5 team? Yes. Okay, so you think Duke is that bad? No, I I think that the, the Kansas team that, yes, we, we keep talking about beating Texas as though we're laughing it off, but you pair it with the scare they put into Oklahoma. I mean, it's – there were strong performances against some of the you know, way, way, way more talented, if not most talented teams in the Big 12. I think that the, the level that they are able to reach, um, how about this? Uh, losses to TCU and West Virginia were by a combined nine points. Like, That's a good point. The gap is not enough that I don't think they can get one conference win, two non-cons. I, my early analysis of Duke is they – they're just going to be stripping it. Like, not that they are stripping it down, but there is a there is time for Mike Elko. There is a runway for Mike Elko to sort of build that thing as he wants to build it. Duke won that game last year. Duke also beat Northwestern last year, but those Northwestern and Kansas wins were also like the last wins of the season. And then things sort of tumbled. Not that there would be, they got. Shout out to Kenny White, the Wizard of Odds. Not that I'm going total revenge game here, but I do think that as uh, Duke goes to Kansas, I think that those Kansas players are going to look at that as a good measuring stick opportunity uh, to be able to try to get the win uh, after losing in Durham last season. I give them Tennessee Tech. I give them Duke. And I give them one Big 12 win against someone. You know, I mentioned the West Virginia and TCU uh, were both close games right at the end of the season. We know they got the win against Texas. We know that things uh, were a little bit dicey against Oklahoma. I truly cannot tell you which of these games it's going to be, but I do think that they get one Big 12 win to go with Tennessee Tech and Duke and this thing goes over. I I don't hate it. I mean, uh, yeah, I don't I'm I, right there. I'm right there on the number. I would play over 2. There's some twos out there. I think that's that's actually a pretty solid play. I'm very confident they get Tennessee Tech at least one win. My thing with Kansas that like really concerns me about their ability to go over here is like if you think about how they're going to have to play based on what they have, they are a kind of team that's going to kind of need to run the football to at least control the clock and keep the defense off the field, especially against some of these offenses that they're likely to be facing. But they were so bad running the football last year. And it's like, even if they improve this year, I don't see them making enough of an improvement over one offseason in that department where I can really, truly rely on them to be able to do it. Maybe they will. Again, they've got a really good coaching staff in place there. But I just, I think that, I think we're still about two years away from this team really kind of pushing up to the three, four, five win category. All right, let's get uh, let's get Danny's picks. You said that we got them texted in. Let's do it. All right, am I, am I read them off? Tom, read I them can, off. I can read them off. I got, I want to check, make sure he didn't swear like you yeah, did. Yeah, I know. We always got to the bud <laughs> filters on. All right, uh, we'll start with Oklahoma over nine and a half. Not much drop off on offense, and better physically, mentally tougher. 
Oklahoma State, under nine. He just doesn't think we see the jump in Spencer Sanders at quarterback. It's a tough road schedule in the conference. Kansas State, he's got over seven. He thinks Colin Klein uses Adrian Martinez's legs, but he's got to stay healthy, which he doesn't love. He thinks that could be a problem. Uh, and Kansas, he has over two and a half. He's a big believer in Leipold. Team fought incredibly hard last year. We know we appreciate that on the Cover 3 podcast. We Always. love teams that fight. He thinks they beat Tennessee Tech Duke, and one more upset will come. And maybe that upset will become against Iowa State because he's got Iowa State under the six and a half because he thinks it's a rebuild year for Campbell and company. Smart man. Kansas over. I just I've got to find my edges and it sounds like Kansas over and Iowa State under are going to be the islands that uh, I've got to I've got to go out on if I'm going to get some some okay. win total locks. So Arizona is my bad team that I'm all in on this year. Kansas could be your bad team that you're all in on this year. Yeah, let's go. Leipold championship culture. Rock Chalk Jayhawk. Here we go. You can follow him on Twitter at BudElliott3. You can follow him at Tom Fernelli. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. We will be back later in the week with the rest of the Big 12. That will be Texas, Baylor, Texas Tech, TCU, and West Virginia. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Thank you. Picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.